What's up, everybody? Jay Miller here bringing another Productivity in Tech podcast. This is the show where I sit down with some of the coolest people in the tech space that I can find, and we just chop it up. We just learn more about each other. We we dive in and, and explore some of the things that they're up to, hoping that we can find that like uncut gem of a productivity tip. And this week is no different. On the mic with me, I have a cloud advocate at Microsoft. He was one of the co-organizers and moderators for the Juneteenth conference. And you can catch him uh, at conferences. You can also catch him weekly on Twitch. And there might be a podcast coming back. The one, the only, Cecil Phillip. How are you doing today, Cecil? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. It's, like, it's always a pleasure to to be a guest on a podcast. You know what I mean? Like I've done podcasting before. Like I've been on the other side of the the table of podcasting, and so it's it's such a relief <laughs> to be on the other side because I could be like, you know, I could just talk, and then after that, I don't have to edit this stuff. I could just walk away. So uh, I'm doing pretty good, man. <laughs> well, I, I do tell people I, I don't necessarily filter, but at the same time, if you give me a lot of editing work, I might send it to you. Uh, but Uh-oh. still. It was it was great to be able to connect with you. We'll talk about how I kind of discovered you, you know, personally. But uh, you're all over the place. It it is it's interesting that uh, I first learned of you through uh, doing some work for a client, and like I do podcast editing and, and newsletter stuff for people. So I was like, "Who's this Cecil Phillips guy that works for Microsoft?" Like, okay, cool. Like, don't don't really see. Um, for, for all the people who aren't of melatonin, uh, uh, melanin skin tone, a brother with me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so it it was, it was weird to see like, okay, how did I not know of this person beforehand? So first of all, where you been? What's, what's the story? And like, how did you, what was that like 30 second journey that got you all the way up to Microsoft? Uh, it's kind of interesting actually. So for folks that, that don't know me, like I'm actually from the Caribbean. So I was, you know, born and raised in Antigua. And, um, you know, when I was at home, when I was in the island still, I, I, I made a decision, like, I wanted to be in technology, right? Like, this is the thing that I wanted to do. But at the time, and now we're talking about, like, the 90s now, right? Like, back when I was in high school, you know, at the time, I was thinking computers meant, like, installing hard drives and RAM chips and like, you know, like building towers and doing those types of things. Because around me, like, that's what the people who were building computers that were in that industry, that's what they were doing, right? Like there wasn't a big programming community or space. Uh, It wasn't a thing. Like a lot of folks locally weren't building websites and doing that type of thing. So like, I never really got that type of energy around me to understand like how that world worked. And then, you know, I came to college and just like, just like with any new experience in life, like once you take that step out of your comfort zone, you kind of just discover like a whole new world of stuff, right? So I'm like, oh, wow, like I've never met Jewish people. Like there's Jewish people here and I've never met people from France and Australia and all these different types of places. And so like my, my view of just people just started to expand. But then obviously to my view of what technology is or what it could could be also expanded as well. And I'm like, oh, well, you mean I could work for like IBM and Microsoft and like all of these huge companies? Oh, well, I don't want to just fix computers anymore. I want to do that. 
right? Like I want to, I want to, I want to extend like the vision a little bit more and, and do something a little bit more like challenging, right? And so, you know, I, I really got into my programming books at the time. I think I was learning Java was the language that they taught us in school. Um, Java 1.5, I think. Like, so just to show you how long ago that was. And, um, yeah, and I just, I just kind of stuck to it, right? And, you know, fresh out of college, it just so happens the first job that I got as an international student was building web applications. Cause so now we're looking at 2000, like seven, 2008, right? Uh, and at that time, like that's, that's all people were hiring for, right? Like every job out of college had to do with like websites, web applications, you know, did you know jQuery, right? <laughs> you know, like that type of stuff. And, um, so that's, that's why I spent, I want to say like the next five, six years of my career doing, right? It was like just really just being in the web, building web applications here in Florida. And, you know, along the way, you know, I got into, you know, speaking, speaking at user groups and, you know, like little local conferences and code camps and th- that type of stuff. And I think me reaching out from that perspective is really what kind of got me into the community. Right. And then once you get into the community, you know, you start a network, you start to meet people. Um, and then now your horizon opens up even more. Right. Um, and so again, like the, the longer I stay in this industry, like the wider and wider, like, you know, the vision of what's possible just became. And, you know, slowly but surely, I mean, and I'm, and I'm like obviously condensing this story. Right. But, you know, after a while, I, you know, I just ended up at Microsoft, like doing, doing a job that I never thought I would be, you know, paid to do, which is, you know, right now I'm a developer advocate and I get to teach people essentially how to write applications in the cloud, which I think is pretty cool. What was that feeling? Cause you mentioned earlier on, like, you know, you're in college, you saw the level of opportunity there and you raised the bar on yourself. What was it like when you got up to that bar like when you're like oh anybody can work at microsoft and then like you see the work that it took to get there but then you got there how what was that feeling like i think everything is about perspective you know like when you're in college like you think college is like the hardest thing that you've ever done in your life right and but then you do it and then you leave college and then you're like oh no this job i'm doing this is the hardest job that i've ever done in my life but then you do it and then you, you know, you keep moving forward and going forward and going forward. Um, you know, for me, it was like once I understood what was possible, I was just like, you know, let's just try it and see what happens. Like, what's the worst that could happen? Right. It's one of those, you know, aim high, but if you fall short, you don't fall too far short kind of thing. Right. And so I was just like, let's try it and see what happens. Like, I, like, I don't know what's going to, like, again, I, I left home thinking I was going to fix computers, right? <laughs> so at this point, anything that's not that or anything that was more than that for me was a success at that point, right? Like, I, I had already surpassed, like, my initial intentions of when I left home and came to this country. You know, that that one of the things that I wonder with that is, you know, growing up in, in the South, like South U.S., I mean, I grew up in Georgia and like Tennessee slash Georgia. I was always told that I had the potential to, to like do great things. I mean, I think Nas wrote that, that track. Like, I know I can be what I want to be if I work hard at it. Right. That whole thing. But I was always told that I would have to work, you know, twice as hard to get half as far. 
And, you know, it's interesting that for you coming in, the expectation was like, I am going to do this thing. And then you saw opportunity at a higher scale. Whereas like for a lot of us, we often look at the celebrity and then say, I want to get there. And then are upset when we are maybe like a step or two below that. Uh, am I, am I tracking kind of what was going on at the time for you or, or did you see like, I don't know, like Bill Gates giving keynotes and be like, I want to do something like that one day. And you're mad because you're not, you know, the keynote speaker at Build. Yeah. When, when I came to this country, I guess you could say like the folks that we would look at today as like the historic superheroes of technology, right? Like you think about, you know, Palm at the time, right? Like back when Palm was like a huge company, right? Like when the, the folks that made the Palm Pilots, like, like they were super important. And, you know, Apple was important. Microsoft was important. And, you know, uh, Macromedia and Adobe, like these are like big, important companies. Um, I didn't know anything about these people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I had no context about it. And I think that, I think that could have been a good and a bad thing because like when you come into it, it's kind of like when, you know, when you meet your heroes and you realize, oh, okay, well I could do that. Like, that's not that crazy. Right. But like the whole time before you had like the super high expectation of what was required to get there. Right. Like I didn't know where there was. Right. Because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see that information, at least not in my country. Right. Like, you know, if you if you look at the Caribbean, right, there's tons of different countries and islands and whatnot. And everyone has a different perspective of what the world looks like. But for me, I didn't see a lot of that. You know, like America for me was like you go to college and you go to the beach and you go to parties and you hang out and you get a job and it's like whatever. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, that's what I saw on television. And I'm like, okay, well, I could do that. That's easy. But nobody at the time really talks to you about like longevity of a career and having focus and, and that type of thing. And again, this is, this is like 1990 something, right? So obviously like the world today is different, but like my purview in that era, that's what it was. Mine was just like, Hey, I just need to go get a job so I can come back home and make some money and move out of my parents' house. Like super simple that that's it. Like let's just get it done. But like now you're in a new environment and you can see more, right? Like you're, your your horizon is so much wider. You're like, oh wow, like I didn't know all of this stuff was in here. Right? Like I didn't know I could I could be a part of projects that build like these really important projects. Like in these projects that affect like millions and millions of people. Like I, I would never think that, right? Like I never thought that, you know, at some point in my career I'd be on stage talking to like five thousand people. Like that was never in my head to do. Right? For me, it's kind of like, you know, you make, you make like these small goals, at least in my head, there were small goals, but like, this is what I'm going to do next. And then, you know, you do it. But like, after you, after you like make your goal, like you got to make a new goal, right? Like you're not, you're not done, right? You got to do another thing. So it's like, okay, graduate college, done. All right, cool. Get a job, done. Okay. Then at one point, I had it in my head that I needed to be the best software developer in the company that I was at when I left, um, when I got my first job, right? And I always had that in the back of my head. And it wasn't like an aggressive thing towards my coworkers. I just had like that standard for myself. Like I wanted to do that because I, I think I could. 
And so I did it. As far as I'm concerned, I did it. You know what I mean? If you ask me. And and then after I did that, I moved on, right? And I kept set, setting higher and higher goals for myself. And, you know, I even had a goal once where whenever I started, you know, giving talks and, you know, going in front of user groups and stuff like that, I was like, man, like one of these days I'm going to be on stage at Build. Or I'm like, one of these days I'm going to be on stage with Scott Guthrie from Microsoft and I'm going to be in a keynote and I'm going to do this stuff. And I had this stuff in the back of my mind like years ago. But I had no idea how was it going to happen, right? But it's one of those things where you keep talking about it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, so said, so done kind of thing. You kind of speak things into being. And, you know, everything that you think about doesn't happen. But it just so it just so worked out for me that these couple of goals that I set up for myself from a career perspective seem to be working out so far, right? So, so now I'm at this company doing what technically I was doing for free before. And, and now I'm, now I'm thinking about like, well, what's the next thing that I'm going to do now? Right? Like what's the next goal that I'm going to set? Right. And, and it's a really interesting time to be, I think in technology and to be black in technology. And, you know, I think some really interesting things can happen there um, from a leadership perspective, you know, from an educational perspective. And so I just need to figure out like, what does that mean for me in the future going forward? Like, how can I be of service to my community and, you know, other people that look like me, you know, so they can have the same type of success that I've had? You are, I can tell you're a podcaster because you knew how to set that up, like, segue <laughs> right into the next topic. Like, man, he started, I was like, does he have my notes? Like, is this, is this a thing? Cause, cause I was, I was literally just about to ask, like, you know, at the time of recording this, you know, the week prior to this, you were, uh, one of the moderators for the Juneteenth conference, which, uh, for those that don't know, or for those that are listening, um, outside the U.S., Juneteenth is a day of celebration in the African American community that symbolizes the last day that orders were given to emancipate slaves. Uh, this, was the first conference. And on top of that, I, I found out just listening through the key or through the, uh, the introduction that it was not a conference that had been like, all right, it's, it's 2019 in June. We're going to plan this thing and we're going to make sure everything's set up and then COVID hits. And now we have to move everything online. It was like, nah, two weeks happened two weeks before I want to do a conference on Juneteenth for people of color celebrating them in the tech space and then people just made it happen. Am, am I tracking? Is that, is that really how it went down? Uh, yeah, that's hundred percent right. That's exactly how it happened. And I could tell you from my side of it too, because I, I think I come from, come and it came at it from a different perspective. Um, so I only found out about the conference like on that Monday, right? So Juneteenth was, you know, June 19th, that was on a Friday. The conference was a Friday and Saturday. I only found out about it on Monday, right? So the conference was already, like, in in motion of being worked on, right? Like, people were getting together and doing stuff. And um, on a Monday, like, the Monday of the conference, someone, one of my teammates was like, hey, we're doing the thing. Like, do you want to help out? I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, sure, sure, whatever. Um, when is it? 
She's like, oh, June nineteenth, and then so I look at my calendar, and I'm like, June nineteenth in like four days. I was like, is that what you're talking about? <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's like, yeah, 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 we're gonna do this conference, and you know, it's gonna be online. We're gonna stream it, and um, and like my, my it was my my coworker, right? And and he was he was helping out also, but he wasn't like the main person doing it. So he's just giving me like these little like snippets of information. And so at first, I'll be honest with you. At first, I was like, man, listen, I don't really, I'm not really into like the last minute rush situation you know what i mean um because the first thing that pops into my head is you know if i'm going to do something like i want it to be quality Mm -hmm. and like how much quality can i give you in like four days right um and and that's what i got to think about like when i make those types of decisions right it's not about whether i want to do it or not because just automatically like i'm like yes i want to be a part of it i'm just like what what you know, what kind of value can I add to that situation in four days? Um, so anyway, so like they added me to, they had like a little group chat and a team and all this stuff. And I was in emails. And so, you know, we we're having conversations and looked at the dates and all of that type of stuff. Who is speaking or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, I could do this. Like, sure. Like, whatever. Like, I'll, I'll come in. I'll do, my, I'll do the best that I can. I could work it out. You know, we had some conversations and, um, and so we did it. And, and so I, you know, I played a very small part in what was like a like a Herculean effort, <laughs> right, to put this thing together, um, you know the brain the brains behind of it was um, a Microsoft employee. His name is Michael Brown, and Michael, you know, I think Michael's been at Microsoft like something like twenty years. Uh, you know, always you know advocating for you know folks of color, you know, inside and outside of Microsoft and that type of stuff. And you know, he was able to bring together a group of folks. Um, you know, different genders and colors and all of that type of stuff to come together to help execute on this this project, right? Um, so, so let's let's take a step back and think about like what does it mean to put on a conference on like a very high level? So, obviously, I need to let people know about it, right? <laughs> so, that, like that's kind of important. I need to get speakers, right? Uh, you probably need somewhere to host it. Right. It's online. Right. So that means that we need like live streaming. We need moderators. We need chat. Um, we need, you know, if we're taking money, we need to be able to accept money. Do we need a 503C organization set up? Um, you know what I mean? And then like who's going to be dealing with the speakers? Who's going to be dealing with the host? Who's going to do the schedule? Who's designing the website? You know what I mean? Like what happens if someone can't make it? You know, um, how many days is it going to be? How many speakers do we want to have? What's the time frame? And, and that's just like the easy stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's just the obvious things that you're like, okay, well, I should cover that. And so it took a lot of people and a lot of hours over the past two weeks to to really put on what I think was like an absolutely amazing conference. Uh, like I think if you, again, if you're in that room or those, you know, those chat rooms, like these are virtual rooms because we're all social distancing, right? But if you're in those chat rooms over the past couple of weeks and then just seeing the amount of effort and and passion people are just generally putting into this conference to make it happen um it was truly inspiring to be very honest with you and you know if this happened in two weeks i could only imagine what next year's conference and you know the next set of events that they put on are going to look like you know i I think that that's almost a testament to the quality of of things that matter to people um i i've had experience working with folks who don't 
fully understand why they want to do something other than they were just told that this is the thing that you're supposed to do. Uh, a, a good example of that is like, oh, hey, I want to do a podcast. And it's like, but do you though? <laughs> do you, do you really want to do a podcast? And I'm like, oh yeah, you know, there's, there's a lot of great shows out there and I feel like I have something to say and you know, that that's the way to do it. And I'm like, but, but you're only looking at the end. You're only looking at the tip of the iceberg that, that comes out of the water. You you don't see the massive yeah. amount of work that's required behind the scenes. You don't see the hours of editing, the coordinating, like interview stuff. I mean, that's one of the reasons why Pitt has actually dialed back how much that it's done in terms of like interviews. And I've actually done more like solo shows because I can knock a solo show out in 30 minutes. If I got, I got some notes, I know what I'm talking about. I record it, edit it real quick, master it, release it. I'm done in 30 minutes flat. If it's an interview, right. it's like, I gotta, I gotta find the person to interview. I gotta schedule that interview. I gotta actually do the research to know what I'm going to talk about in the middle of the interview. And then on top of that, when it's done, I have to then align that interview up with all of the other interviews that I've done. I got to edit that. I got to release it. I got to keep in touch with that person, letting them know that I, Hey, it's coming out on this day. Here's some of the hashtags that I use. If you don't mind doing this and all this stuff, all this stuff that sure you can automate some of it, but at the end of the day, it is not just jumping on a mic and talking to whoever, no matter how much it looks like that on like the Joe Rogan experience. It's that's just not the case. And whenever I'm talking to people like that, they're just like, oh, yeah, I don't want to do that. Like, that's that's not it. <laughs> right. Right. And, it, and it's like it's not a level to scare people. It's a level of like, how important is it to you? Because just getting something out there can be done relatively easy. But when it matters a lot, it doesn't take a lot of time to produce something of quality. It just takes a lot of effort. Like you said, getting the right people involved, making sure that everybody understands the mission of, of like, hey, this is what we're doing and this is why we're doing it. I, to me, I have learned that that has helped in so many ways when it comes to organizing and planning events is if, if everybody is not just on the same page as like task a task B task C, but like task a, why <laughs> like getting fire codes, you know, making sure that the fire department isn't going to shut down your event. Why? Because all the work would be in vain if we did all this work, got it all set up. And then all of a sudden, or in the case of Juneteenth, you get it all set up. And then all of a sudden someone didn't pay their internet bill and then they can't host. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's like a level of concern. Anybody can put something out, but it really does take a lot of effort, not necessarily a lot of time to do something of quality. Yeah, you're hundred percent right. And I want to dive in a little bit more on the Juneteenth stuff, but before we do that, I do want to make this point to kind of build on what you were just saying. And that is a lot of folks, when they see things from the outside, it's very easy to like make assumptions about what exactly happened and what is actually happening to execute something. Right. Um, like right now, like we're all still under quarantine. People are social distancing and working from home and all of that type of stuff is still very much the reality of the moment. But I've noticed like all of these like virtual conferences are just springing up all over the place. Like everyone wants to do a virtual conference, 
right? Conference here, conference there, conference there. Like, you know, like every week there's like 10 conferences going on. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and I'm like, that's cool. Because I understand the motivation, which is we want to keep people connected. We want to keep people engaged and with stuff to do. And, and also just being able to exercise like their creative juices and doing something different. But then also from what I've seen from a lot of the organizers, right? Cause you know, random people would reach out and be like, Hey, do you want to do this? Can you do that? Whatever, whatever. Like a lot of stuff is happening very last minute and, and not only just last minute, but sometimes it's happening last minute and there's so much that hasn't gotten thought through. And I'm like, well, how do you even have a date if you haven't even thought about these things? Right. Or, you know, how are you inviting speakers if, you know, you don't even, you know, you don't even have these things in place. Right. Like, like what, what kind of conference is this? What are we talking about? Like, who's your target audience? You know what I'm saying? Like how many hours of content are you thinking about having? You know what I mean? Are you going to pay your speakers? Is this for free? Are you paying, are you going to charge, you know, admission or, you know, tickets or whatever the case is? Are you not? Is this, are you going to donate the money? Is this a for-profit thing? Like, there's just so many questions, but people are just kind of like, oh, yo, yo, I saw Jay do this thing, man. I could do that. You know what I mean? Like, that was, that was, eh, that looks easy. I could do that. But then they get into it, and now they're like, yo, this is, this is a lot of work, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, this is not like a five second, you know, quick in and out type situation. It's a lot of work. And so, one of the things I want to tell folks, because again, everyone is in like, I want to learn a code and I want to be in technology and I want to do a thing. You know what I mean? Let's let's think about the quality of the work that we put out, right? Like Juneteenth was amazing. It was last minute, but like the quality was high. The quality was super high. The energy was super high. The passion, like everything was like firing on all cylinders. Like everything was in the red. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like people were in it and they were focused and they're ready to go. Like everyone was like, like locked in. And it happened and it was amazing. Right. But just because they did it doesn't mean everyone can. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes you gotta, you gotta understand what your limitations are. And, you know, let's, let's try and, let's try and think about like the quality of the work we put out and not just like, oh, I want to be conference number 10 on Tuesday. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I think that helps with that a lot is when you're able to look at what other people are doing and if that stuff is available to you. I, I think that is something that is like absolutely paramount. Like I, I know even with like managing a community, that is something that it has taken me five years to get the community to where it is today. And I'm still learning. I'm still talking with other community managers. I'm still looking at the resources that they've provided uh, to the public and just trying to really figure out what is available for me to use that's going to help with that. And, and also, am I okay with using those resources that are available? I, I think that that that's another thing. Um, one of the biggest areas that I see in this is, uh, a lot of, a lot of code of conducts you can see were an afterthought because they were based on like a single open source template, which is great. The fact that there is a code of conduct is great, but 
one of the things that I've noticed that I, I love to, I, you know, I really appreciate is when I go to a conference and there is not just a code of conduct, but there is like a contingency plan. There is like, okay, when the code of conduct has been violated, here are the proper steps. And, and you often see, you can tell, you can usually just tell when like something happens and all of a sudden it's like, well, who, who's this? And, da, 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 and then like, there's, there's not a solid front from the administration right. team. And you can also, also look at like the quality of the experience of the conference itself, because usually something like that is just an indicator of, of a bunch of other imperfections. Where from a distance it might look wonderful, but then when you're actually up close to it, you're like, "Whoa, this was a lot. A lot more effort needed to be put into this." No, for sure. And that's what I'm. What's what I keep saying? A lot of folks right now, like we're going through this. Everyone should learn to code phase, right? That folks think that you know is an important thing to do. And. And here's my here's my general thought about that. Like everyone should learn how to cook, right? Like you should know how to boil water, <laughs> you know, maybe make an omelet and boil some eggs and make sandwiches and stuff like that. Sure, maybe you can make some pasta or whatever. Like you should know how to cook. Just like, you know, you should know how to make your bed. And you should know, you know, when you're of age, you should know how to drive a car, right? You should know what the ste- where the steering wheel is. You should know where the gas goes. But like that doesn't mean that you need to be a mechanic, right? That doesn't mean that you got to open a restaurant. You see what I'm saying? Like, like there's there's a different level of quality, and also a different level of effort to get to that level of quality, right? And I think, you know, again, this is just me. Like, I think a lot of people are glancing and they're seeing things, and they're like, "Oh, the, the technology is cool," and "Oh, these folks could do this thing like super quick and super easy." I could do it too. And then what happens, right? Like we get, we get tons of getting started scenarios, right? Like we get tons of beginner level content, which is great, which is cool. But then like what happens when we go past that, right? Like then it like flatlines, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, like where to go? Like what happened to all these people from four or five years ago that were in all of these you know, tech boot camps. Like, where are they today? What happened? You know what I mean? Like, I don't see them making like intermediate level videos. I don't see them making advanced level videos. So where did they go? Like, did they just, did they quit? You know what I mean? Did they, you know, make a, was it a money grab? They just, you know, got a check and bounce? Like, what happened? You know what I mean? And and I have my theories, but we don't have to talk about that now. <laughs> but I have my theories about <laughs> what's happening there. But it's it's just to say, again, like all of this is like under a bigger umbrella of saying, you know, to do good work, right? When you see other people do good work, there's usually a lot more effort that you're not seeing that actually went into the production and, you know, the curation of making that happen. One of the things that I wanted to talk about with that, like you said, you know, that middle ground. I think a lot of that just comes with fear of not looking like a senior yet. And I mean, this is something that I run into all the time. This is something that I feel all the time where like, if I'm looking at a job opportunity or someone says, Hey, this, I think this will be a great fit for you. And I'm looking at, it and it's like senior advocate, some company. And I'm just like, mm, I mean, 
I, I can give a talk or two. I know how to stream. I know how to podcast. I know how to do all that stuff. But senior, I don't know about that. I don't know. I don't know if I'm there yet. And and one of the things that I've really enjoyed. Uh, just kind of learning more and more about what you're doing is you're putting yourself out there more in in places where you don't necessarily look like like the pro like the the person that is and that's that's not to like even knock like a skill level that is just to be like you are putting yourself in a position where you are clearly there to learn and to me I think that that is the reason why a lot of these mid-level developers are starting to disappear. And I think that's why a lot of people don't have jobs for mid-level anymore. It's always either junior or senior. It's like, well, is there nothing in between? Because a junior is there to learn, is there to gain skills. And a senior is there to direct and to kind of be the leader in the trenches. But that mid-level, to me, that is where a lot of the work gets done. And it's, it's ignored. It's, it's, disregarded because the question is for mid-level people why aren't you a senior yet you know most people would jump from like junior to junior to nothing and then the ones that stay in it go from like that mid-level staying at a company for a few years and then all of a sudden an opening for a senior position comes in and you take it so now from the outside world you look like you went from junior to senior but you didn't um Tell me a little bit more. And this will have to be the last thing that we cover, at least for this part. But tell me a little bit more about just having that willing to learn mentality and and the willing to be open about being here to learn, not here to necessarily be the the expert in the room. Sure. I one of the things that I've realized like throughout my career in technology is honestly the same type of discipline that you have in your career when it comes to technology, like can be very broadly applied to life. Uh, and so what do, I, what do I mean when I say that? You know, folks always ask me, oh, how can I learn this thing? Like, how can I learn Python? How can I be really good at Docker? How can I learn Kubernetes? How could I learn about the cloud and this and that or the other? And, you know, you'll always hear folks saying, oh, well, once you're in technology, like this is a field that you're always going to have to be learning in because technology moves and stuff happens. And, you know, and that's true, right? And it's truer for technology more so than a lot of other industries because I don't know, maybe we, you know, we just like new shiny things all the time, but like there's always something new to do. Um, and also because of the fact that technology touches so much of society. Right. Like you talk about education, you talk about automotive, you talk about insurance and legal, you talk about politics and government, like technology literally touches everything. So there's like almost an infinite amount of things that you could do. But what I like to tell people is like any job that you do, like you should always be learning. Right. And there's nothing special about technology that makes it that way. Right. So I'll give you an example. Like, like I watch a lot of basketball. Right. And you always hear like the best basketball players practice all the time. Like they're working all the time. You know what I mean? Like they have their jobs. <laughs> you know what I mean? They've already been paid and they still practice all the time. But why is that? Right. Well, because you want to get better and because this is something that you have a passion for. You know what I mean? Like you look at musicians. Right. Like the top musicians practice all the time. The top singers sing all the time. Like 
whether they're getting paid for it or not, like they're exercising that muscle constantly. And then if you want to get better at something, you, ha- you got to do it, right? So technology is just the same way. Like you got to decide like where you want to be and what your goals are. And then when you decide what your goals are, that will give you a very clear path. For me, anyway, it's, this is my opinion. It'll be, give you a very clearer path about where you need to go and what you need to do. Right? Like I, you know, so I had the opportunity. I, I taught a few classes, like a few college level classes, like a couple of years ago. And one of the biggest questions was, how can I get a job in technology? I just want to make a lot of money. I was like, I can't help you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, can't help you. Because you're asking the wrong question. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm not here to help you make money. But I am here to help you learn and understand the importance of learning. And for my other students that asked a different question, I asked them, well, what do you care about? You know what I mean? Because if you care about it, then you're going to do it. And you're not going to just do it now, but you'll continue to do it. And if you continue to do it, that means you continue to practice. If you continue to practice, that means you continue to get better. Right? Now, like Those are the people that I want to talk to. You know what I mean? Um, and then those are the people that it's easier for them to find like a focus. So if you say, hey, I want to be a web developer. Okay, well, I know what you want to do. Right? If you say, hey, I want to get into AR, VR, and 3D modeling. If you say you want to get into security or you want to get into databases. I'm like, okay, well, I know what you want to do. But if you're like, oh, I want to get into technology and I want to make a lot of money, I'm like, yo, I can't help you, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not the person for you to talk to with that. Like, that's, you know, that's someone else. You know, you, you were talking about basketball players and, like, wanting to to always be practicing. I think one of the coolest videos that I've seen is uh, when the professor goes in and he taught, he, like, goes into, like, I think it's the Houston Rockets. Um, practice gym and there's james harden and for those that don't know the professor is like this insane youtuber now he used to be a part of like the and one mixtape crew where they would do a bunch yeah, yeah, of yeah. tricks with dribbling and stuff and the professor was there showing james harden like different moves and stuff that he could apply to his game and i mean you're talking about two areas of basketball that are like completely different. One where traveling might be allowed and others where it's clearly, well, it's still allowed. They just hide it a little bit better, I guess. But <laughs> right. the, the overall thing is it's not just a matter of practicing the basics. You do have to have that solid foundation. You do have to practice those basics and, and do it at a quality level, but also pushing yourself at where you are, you know, that's that's the reason why people like uh I think it's what like Trey Young and and uh Steph Curry can like shoot from half court like it was nothing. It's like because they could already shoot from the three point line. It was like, all right, well, I can do this. I want to shoot from farther, so I'm gonna practice from farther and and continue to to expand your range. I think that is the difference that makes developers and like as you mentioned before, like those developer celebrities. And it's not a matter of always thinking about it. It's it's about allowing yourself to not be limited by your thought. You know, for me, I learned how to program to solve problems that I had around podcasting. 
like all of my projects that I, I learned how to do Flask because I wanted to build a website for my podcast. I, I learned how to use the request module because I wanted to rip show notes, like to actually get the URLs from show notes and stuff when people would leave them in chat rooms. So like it was, it was saying, okay, I have this exact problem. How do I solve it? I have the skill set that is code. Let me apply it to this problem and see what I can do. And I, I do that to this day. Like that is, that is what I get paid to do is to look at problems and go, how do I solve this with Python or JavaScript or whatever language I'm using? And the only way that I can continue to improve in that area is by continuing to solve more and more problems. And I think that that is where. I think that is where a lot of the educational background of development is falling short is that people are saying you got to do your code katas, you got to do, you know, know, free code camp and, and plural sites and, and all of those things are great. And all of those things can teach you something. But if, if you're doing it just to do it, you're not doing it to apply it to anything, then it's going to be a lot harder to recall those actions again. Yeah. And another thing, so I totally agree with you. And another thing that I would add to that, that I was just thinking about. So a lot of folks always say, Hey, I don't have the time, right? Like I have a job. My job has me in like this box, right? Like these are the confines of the problems that I solve and I can't get outside the box. Cause you know, this is what we have to do. When I was younger, when I had my first job, like after I'd solve a problem, like I'd solve it again. Right? Cause I was bored. Right? When I get bored, like, you know, you find stuff to do. And, and that's kind of like, like, that's kind of like what you were talking about when, you know, I know how to shoot a three pointer. Let me see if I can shoot a three pointer from like six feet back and then 12 feet back. Right? And then you just keep stepping back. It's the same problem. Right? But you keep approaching it from a different perspective. And so sometimes that's a good thing to do. Right. Um, code cutters are cool. Yeah, sure. Videos are cool. But like doing stuff, you know, like doing your own stuff and doing stuff that you care about is, is cool. Like you said, like you have a podcast and you, you're finding ways to automate that. You know what I mean? And maybe one day you wake up and say, oh, you know, this thing works, but like, can I make this faster? Right. Can I make this smaller? Right. Can I make this thing like, I don't know, play music in the background and like <laughs> spit out confetti on the screen, like when it's done, <laughs> you know go. what I mean? And you, and like a part of you might be like, well, why would I ever want to do that? But then later on, you're going to end up in another project where you're like, Oh man, I did that. Like already, like a long time ago. And I have the, I have the code. I know how to do it. You know what I mean? And this could be like a really fun thing to like spice up this particular project. And now you, you know, you go in the vault and you dig up some old code and you're like, man, let me show you this thing that I did. You know what I mean? Like five years ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? And everyone was like, wow, cool. That's amazing. And it is, but that's just, you know, that's just, that would just be your natural curiosity. Right. And that's what I'm saying. Like when you do something, if you got to focus on being good at something, like you have to have the passion to want to do it. You know what I mean? Like, I want to be a web developer. I want to be, I want to write mobile apps. I want to work with children. I want to, you know, do 
um, AI for good or whatever the case is. Like you got to care about it. And then when you care about it, you got to do it. And if you're going to do it, you got to practice. And if you practice, you got to get better. Oh man, you, you really make me want to dive into my own stories here, but this, this isn't the time for that. There'll be another episode on that. I mean, Don't we, worry. I mean, we could do another one, man. We could schedule one next week. We could talk about it hey, some more. You're, you're tempting. You're very tempting. We are I'm serious. We could talk about it. Into... We, could do, we could do it next week. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm going to hold you to that. But I'm serious. Right now, we got an after show to get to. So, okay. Everybody, y'all have been listening to Cecil Phillip. I am, I'm so blown away. Just. Again, you know, I was, I was, I was telling Cecil before we started, like, I come in kind of with an idea of what I want to talk about, but I don't have, there's not a bullet point. We're not, we're not just running from point to point. And like I said, that's why it was so cool whenever, like, in my notes, I'm like, oh man, I can tie that into this thing. And then he just did it so well. But even at that, like, this is an experience for me to learn. This is an experience for me to be like, hmm. I'm leaving this conversation motivated. So if if you haven't left this conversation, like I'm I'm about to go solve the world's problems. And if I can't solve the world's problems, <laughs> I'm at least going to solve my own. Like, I don't know what to tell you. You need to just unsubscribe from the podcast. Cause like, to me, this is, this is why I do this show, but oh, man. please, please Cecil, let, let everybody know where they can find you just preaching into people like this on a regular. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, I'm um, I'm probably most active on Twitter. I mean, that's that's where I do. Me and my team do most of our engagements and whatnot. Um, so you can see me at Cecil Phillip on Twitter. Um, I also, you know, I work for Microsoft, so I do a couple of shows. I have the On.Net show um, that I help co-host and produce. Um, you know, that comes out twice a week. Um, I also live stream. I do live streaming every Wednesday. I have um, two shows that I'm a part of. I live stream with my boy, Brian Clark, and we talk about Python things. And then I also live stream with my other buddy, um, Michael Crump, and we do Azure tips and tricks because, you know, we work for Microsoft, so we got to talk about the Azure thing. Um, Where else can you find me? Other than that, you know, usually if it wasn't self-quarantining time, you know, um, you know, my team is usually moving around and going to different user groups and, you know, conferences and stuff like that. But, you know, since everyone's at home and being safe, um, you know, I'm on online a lot, right? Like, you know, talking to folks like Jay and, you know, doing podcasts and, you know, I'm actually trying to do some more user groups, um, you know, like virtual user groups. Cause you know, what's, what's cool about this time is that before user groups was like a physical thing, but now like I could be a part of user groups that are in like Texas and Canada and like Australia and I never have to leave my house, which is which never used to be able to be the case before. So that's something I'm really interested in in exploring more of. So um, you know, just you know, look out at meetup.com, look out at Twitter, you know, at Cecil Phillip. Um, you know, check us out on the Microsoft Developer Channel and and also on um, you know our channel nine. That's what we call it, channel nine. msdn.com where we do all our developer videos. And uh, you know, hopefully you like the podcast. Hopefully. You know, y'all found some value in this. And if you did, if you want us to continue the conversation, let them know. Because, you know, I'll come back. We can talk some more. Oh, oh, that that's going to happen. Like, there's going to be emails sent after this. But I got to thank Cecil for, <laughs> okay. for coming on to the show. Absolutely rocking it. Um, I also got to thank Nadir Omawali for the use of his song, A Hustler, in spite of myself, for the intro and outro. And I know that some of y'all are like, wow, this was amazing. 
how I need to share this with a friend of mine, by all means, go right ahead. Make sure they subscribe. Tell them about it. Leave the five star reviews and all that stuff. I, you know, we're old now. We don't we don't worry about that stuff no more. But you can find out <laughs> about that and more over at productivityintech.com. Cecil, thank you so much for being a guest on the Pit Show, the Productivity in Tech podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Everybody, we are off to the after show. Let's do it, man. Let's go. Let's go.